Okay, I didn't hear Craig. Are we good? Craig's good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the official podcast of the Denver Broncos subreddit. Uh, I'm Aaron, Atencio91, uh, joined by Uppercut of Justice. Hello. And today we're joined by uh, Penance One. Hello. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for joining us, man. We are going to uh, be talking over the CBA and some of the, I don't know, kind of weirder news, I think, that broke this last week. Penance, you want to give us a quick rundown? Yeah, so um, right now, the league and the NFLPA, the NFL Players Association, they are in discussions over the collective bargaining agreement uh, that basically outlines the agreed upon set of rules that the league and players operate by to keep the business running. The current deal doesn't expire until after the coming 2020 season, but the league's trying to get ahead of it because TV deals are up for renegotiation. And so if the league can get things figured out now, it benefits them going forward. A lot of what we've been hearing, though, is the players aren't really liking what's being pushed on them. And so that's causing a lot of what we're hearing. What is it? Uh, is there anything specific that the players aren't liking? So right now, the, the league actually isn't asking for as much as the players are, realistically, I guess, in, in terms of the number of asks. Um, the league is pushing for a 17-game regular season, which is the big thing. Uh, that's what everyone's talking about, because it, it does impact the sport in a variety of ways. That, along with an expanded playoffs, where they'd add one more team to each conference. Those are the two big things that the league is pushing for, as well as just getting it done sooner rather than later. And so they're kind of they're trying to strong arm the NFLPA a little bit with it and get them to agree to terms in a in a hurried manner. Nobody really thinks that there's anything nefarious that the league's trying to push through. It's just a matter of them wanting to get that TV money done. So what is it about uh, the extra game and the extra playoff team that players don't seem to be liking? Well, from a player perspective, which I never played in the NFL, it's just what's been reported and what players have been open about with their opinion on it. Uh, an extra game and an extra playoff game does cause a lot of issues. Uh, we all know, uh, the three of us here at least, uh, follow the NFL pretty closely. There's a very high injury risk, and the season does wear on players heavily. And with only one bye week, when you're adding an extra game, that's a whole other game where they're risking injury and they are getting a lot of wear and tear on their bodies. You know, there's a lot of talk about running backs and how the number of games and the number of snaps and carries they get affects how long they can play the sport. And when you're adding another game, that can wear on them much faster. And there's also the topic of how salaries will be affected. One source has stated that the 17th game players will be paid on a limited basis. They won't receive their normal game check added onto their salary. It'll be capped at a certain amount, well below what the top tier players are earning. And so they're making less money and they're risking their, their livelihood for it. What's the justification for paying them less? Honestly, I don't I personally don't believe that there's a justification for paying them less. Right now as it stands, I think it's just a matter of the the way the salary cap works and trying to pay a typical game check. It it would affect the way things work for the next 4 years or so while the players who are under contract from the current CBA transition into contracts under the next CBA and I'm not sure the league really knows how to handle that from what we've heard at least. 
I mean, you almost wonder if you would start to see something like we see in the NBA, where you have players taking games off uh, to rest. If I'm not going to get paid my full game check for that 17th game, I don't think I want to play that game. I mean, right? Yeah, I I don't disagree. I mean, we even saw that with Chiefs during the regular season. They let LaShawn McCoy take a week off just to rest up and heal his body up. You know, that bye week comes around and all we hear about from the players is how thankful they are to just have some time to really heal because every single one of the guys out there is playing injured. And you don't have to look very far, not even very far away from Broncos country to find a dude who actually did just play 17 straight games with Emmanuel Sanders. He got traded after the Bronco or before the Broncos bye week and after the 49ers bye week. And I don't think he missed a game. Yeah, I I don't know off the top of my head for sure, but from what I understand, uh, San Francisco's bye week was in week four or five, maybe six, well before the Broncos and well before the trade deadline. And so that would that would line up. And, you know, it's hard. I'm sure if you asked Emmanuel Sanders how it felt going from 17 games into the playoffs and all the way out to the Super Bowl, I'm sure he'd say it was probably one of the longest seasons he's ever played in his life. Uh, has the NFLPA actually commented on the content of the proposal, or has it just been kind of scattering of players? Um, the NFLPA did actually release a memo on February 20th, so three days ago now at the time of recording. They released some things that they are requesting from the league in in the negotiations, because really the CBA, when the league and the NFLPA are discussing things, it's all about leverage. It's all about giving up rights to get other rights you know the the league wants more games because it produces more money the players are fine playing more games if they get some of that money and they also get a little bit of what they're looking for the memo that the nflpa released uh, they outlined specifically that they are looking to eliminate automatic suspensions for positive marijuana tests. They want to limit the number of players that can be tested for marijuana. They also are bargaining for players to receive a portion of the gambling revenue that's being brought in by the league now. And they are also looking to adjust training camp regulations as they stand right now. They want to put in a five-day acclimation period and also limit the number of padded practices um, and limit the number of joint practices as well. And so it's all about the NFLPA is focusing on player rights and player safety. So when does the actual agreement have to be done? Um, the current the current CBA that's in place runs through the 2020 season. And so it expires in March of 2021, which would be the start of the 2021 league year. If there's not a new CBA in place by then, that would be the start of a lockout like we saw in 2011. So that sounds like the players do have a bit of leverage in that they're not as interested or they don't have to be as interested in an immediate deal, whereas owners probably want to get in on some kind of markets like streaming or anything like that as quickly as possible. That's absolutely right. I, I think that owners are already trying to move on that too because the NFLPA representatives and the owners, or at least the owners' representatives, met this week via conference call. And we're sitting here recording this podcast on Discord, and we've had a couple of instances of talking over each other, and it's a little bit awkward. Imagine that with 32 player reps, plus I don't know how many reps from the owner's side of things. The owners tried to make it as awkward as they could for the players, I think, by, by doing that. 
And uh, we saw, I think it was actually Brandon McManus who really spearheaded the push to get players and owners, representatives meeting in the same place, in the same building in New York or D.C. I can't remember which. Does uh, Do the negotiations like kind of start with the 17th game? Is that the starting point that the owners were always kind of, that's where we're starting with? From what has been reported, I would say yes. Um, obviously, I'm not in those meetings. I don't know what they're looking for specifically, but there's only there's only three key things that the league is looking for, and that's the expansion of the regular season, the expansion of the playoffs, and getting it done before the TV deals are renegotiated. That's all they're asking for that we know of, and so that that's clearly the main focus of them, at least from what can be gathered, and it all comes back to extra games means extra broadcasts on TV or streaming, which means they get more money from those those outlets. When is the uh, when do the TV deals get renegotiated? That specifically, I'm not sure. I I tried to find a source that would tell me a, a time frame when those expire potentially. All I could find is that they were agreed upon in 2011 and then agreed upon again in 2013, and since then, I I don't know for sure. All we know is that they're up for renegotiation right now. Uh, from CNBC, I'm seeing the end of that deal is actually 2022. Okay, so yeah, that and that makes it a little bit surprising that the league would be pushing so hard for the CBA to get agreed upon now. But it does make sense that they would want to get it wrapped up before the expiration of the current one because they don't want to face another lockout situation like 10 years ago. So how would the the playoff proposal work uh, with an additional two teams per conference? Uh, an additional two teams total, one per conference. Um, as it stands right now, they would, they would just be adding a seventh seed. Um, whoever would have been the seventh seed this year, you know, that's the same thing. And they get in, they play the two seeds. So this this creates a one by situation where only the number one seed in the conference gets a buy and makes that buy and makes winning the conference that much more valuable. I'm, I'm really interested to know your guys' thoughts on that because I've, I've seen a lot of people talk about how this would uh, dilute the playoffs and how it would make the playoffs worse. I don't know how I feel personally about only one team having the buy. I, what do you guys think? Well, personally, uh, and I don't have a, an alternative to this, I think the buy is kind of bullshit. Like, I don't care about teams earning a bye week into that thing. I think all the teams should probably have to be as even as possible for the playoffs. But I don't have an alternative. And I also don't know what removing one buy is going to do better, especially if that means one team is always going to have a potential for more injury by facing probably a team they're going to beat. Yeah, and, and in my opinion, the league is the the league is the main proponent of pushing for this. It all comes back to the money. It all comes back to getting what would amount to an extra couple games on TV and getting money from those games, getting the ticket sales, getting revenue. It's, it's all about money. The league is a business. I personally, I don't have an issue with it. It's from a pure football fan perspective. I'm okay with watching another two games during the playoffs. I think that's kind of where I am too. I mean, playoff, for any sports playoff, you know, that sport is the best version. I, I would always be down to watch more NFL playoffs. Do you feel the same way about the 17th game? Just more football? No, because I don't feel that way about the preseason. And I I feel like it would be, I don't know, I, I feel like 
that seventeenth game would eventually evolve, or maybe even right off the bat, be a rest week for for your big name players. So maybe it could be interesting that way, where uh, you know you pick your easiest opponent and rest your starters. It would also create lopsided home field, wouldn't it? It would. It would. That means um, they would have to alternate nine home games, eight away, and then the following year, nine away games, eight home games. Um, but as far as resting players, I, I I can see where the expanded playoffs and dropping a bye for each conference is linked into that. You know, if you're in a neck and neck race for the conference, you want that bye. That bye is valuable. And so you don't want to rest players unless you know you have it locked up week 17. That's actually a really good point that I hadn't considered at all. As far as the lopsided home field thing, couldn't that be solved by having neutral site games for every team? It could be. Ooh, so you think, you think this is paving the way for one team to play every week in London or Mexico City or what have you? Or Tokyo or, or Germany or any of those other places that yeah, in anyway. the past played, even Hawaii maybe? I won't say I've seen anyone credible say it, um, but there there has been some talk about that 17th game basically making it so that there can be an international game for every team. Good? Is that good? Do we like that? <laughs> um, that is, I don't know yet. Determinate. Ask me again after they've played a few of them, I guess. Yeah, we'll see how we'll see how London goes this year. If the Broncos lose in London, I'll say it's awful. I've never won a 17th game. It already sounds like the Broncos um, are going to forego coming to Atlanta for a game. And while I'll probably never, ever in my lifetime go to a professional football game without being coerced, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to part with some of my Reddit friends. Sorry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That is pretty shit luck that they're finally playing in, in your area, except they decided to go across the pond instead. Penance, how do you feel about the whole thing? What are your, what are your deep down thoughts about the proposed CBA? Um, I think it is a nature beast as it stands right now. It's a necessary evil where they, you know, we're going to get changes. They aren't always going to be major, and sometimes they aren't in the best interest of the fans. But as it stands right now, and what we know about the proposed CBA, it wouldn't be a detriment to the sport. It wouldn't change anything drastically. Um, we're getting a few extra games, and yeah, you know, there's there's the risk of injuries from that, and there's the inflation of season-long statistics. But in in a vacuum, drink. Um, it really isn't that bad. <laughs> it, it really doesn't seem to be that bad for the players because a lot of the things they're negotiating and that they're managing to pull out of the, the league is more relaxed uh, marijuana policies, expanded rosters, better wages, uh, better share of the revenue. You know, it, there's a lot of things that the players are getting out of this too, and that's, that's usually the way it goes. Well, better, do you mean better as in just more or better in that it, it would coincide with a natural um, addition of a game? Um, from my understanding, the, what the players would be getting out of it is it, it does 
inflate with the extra game, but it, they are also getting, you know, they it, there's been talk about them getting an extra 1% of the league revenue, which sounds like a pittance, but it goes from 47 to 48% of league revenue going to the players, which amounts to about $5 billion. Between that and the increase in money that the league would be getting from the 17th game and the broadcast stations, that money would end up going into the salary cap, which ends up going back to the players. Now, generally, it's the elite players that are signing new contracts and are the top of their position. But with this CBA, the NFLPA is also negotiating for higher minimum salaries and options to allow for veterans to get on rosters at a lower cap hit, expanded rosters to get more players opportunities to compete. There's there's a lot of things that the players are getting out of this. But is it going to be enough enough compensation for a 10-year deal? Because it sounds like it might be a bit front-loaded by going, you know, minimum min- vet minimum is going to be or player minimum is going to be an additional like just under a hundred thousand a thing. And those look good to a lot of players and a lot of people who would benefit very quickly, but having a deal that usually lasts about 10 years for that without renegotiating, you know, isn't that kind of a long-term detriment? Um, Without knowing the specific details of what they're looking for in the minimum salaries, whether it be a percentage base or it be a flat amount, from my understanding, minimum salaries as they stand right now do increase Per, in in a direct uh, correlation with the salary cap. And so they're not a flat amount going up, from my understanding at least. Um, and with this, they, they also have some future proofing in there. Um, they're looking for practice squad expansion and they have it kind of stair-stepped where it would go from 10 to 12, then to 14 over the years. And there's also some talks about the fifth year options and how those would be affected. I know a lot of people don't like what's been said, but some have mentioned that the fifth-year option would become fully guaranteed and potentially scale based on Pro Bowls that a player has earned. And I suggested earlier that it would be a 10-year contract. Does that sound like it's going to be true? That That's what the current CBA was, and I can't see any reason why they would separate from that, especially with the TV deals, since those usually span about an 8- to 10-year range. And so the TV deal would want to know that the product's going to be on the field. If there's a five-year CBA, they don't want to risk a lockout in the middle of that TV deal. So what's the incentive for the NFLPA to sign as quickly as the owners seem to want to? Well, I think the incentive is that the majority of the players represented by the NFLPA are not those superstar players who are going to be around for between eight to 10 years and even longer. A lot of these guys, we're talking about, you know, five years if they're lucky. So I think a lot of these guys you brought up, it, maybe it's uh, front loaded. And Penance, you laid out some awesome examples of how it is future proofed, but the sooner they can get this thing done, the sooner that bottom rung of players get paid. And ultimately that's why the NFL owners are honestly going to always win this thing because there's always going to be those end of the roster guys who this is how they get their shot. This is how they make as much money as they can in as short a period of time as they have. So I I think that's the driving factor behind the players side wanting to get this done. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in terms of a lockout that we'd be seeing a year from now, if, if a deal's not reached, you have 
the elite players who for a majority of them are losing a year of their prime if if the lockout would to were to go through the season and then you also have the bottom of the roster guys like you were saying Aaron who this is all that they have in terms of income and they don't make enough on a yearly basis to survive a full year off not getting paid and so the the player the players association has every incentive to get this deal done now so that players overall aren't losing out on those wages that they've earned yeah and that's something that the nflpa has tried to get out in front of Demoris Smith, the I think he's the executive director of the NFLPA. I forget his exact title, uh, but in May of last year, he was publicly urging players to save money for a one to two year lockout. Fast forward, you know, a little over half a year and news comes out that the two sides are meeting and possibly going to agree to a new CBA a full year ahead of schedule. Like, that was surprising to me. That's more than a 17th game in an expanded playoffs. That was what surprised me about hearing about this CBA. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's all uh, really interesting and, and, and too smart for me, honestly. Are you guys cool with moving into something a little bit more fun, maybe a little bit more accessible to the majority of our subreddit? I like to have fun. <laughs> oh, do you? Sometimes. What kind of fun do you like, Penance? I like talking about Breckenridge Brews. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Cold, no. crisp Colorado Breckenridge Brewery. In fact, I have one right here, right now. Oh, do you? You know what? Hold on just a second. Let me let me oh take God. a drink of this. Mm. Oh, God. That's awful. Never mind. No. Well, uh, hey, you know what? It would taste better if you paired it with a Bojo's uh, mountain pie, and then just just soak it in honey. Just as I'm much. sorry, I'm on a I'm on a gluten free, carb free diet. Oh, damn! You should have remembered that before you drank that beer. The Bachelor fucking sucks. All right, let's move on to something a little more fun. So, what kind of fun? <laughs> let's let's talk about free agency a little bit, right? Because we have a uh, Free agency is creeping up on us. It's like two and a half weeks away, if I'm not mistaken. It's the most fun. It's the most fun I mean, time of the year is, right? for, a, for a losing right. team. This is when terrible teams with a lot of cap space with a uh, primary color of orange can look at the news and say, look, hope springs eternal and just, just chug that orange colored Kool-Aid, right? Or orange colored Breck Blue, sorry. I know. I've personally built a shrine to four different players draft players and non-draft players that i think is really going to work and who out are those year. four players i well, i did not expect to be put on the spot after you put yourself on the spot <laughs> i did not expect follow-up and i will not respond to it <laughs> all right you keep your secrets then okay well i'm going to jump in here because I, what i want to talk about isn't just free agency in general i want to talk about wide receivers which one? I think the one everyone wants to talk about. Henry Ruggs? No, I think it's Deshaun Hamilton, actually. Free agents, guys. Come on. Get on my page. We're talking about Tavon Austin. Tavon Austin. The ultimate Tavon. gadget player. He is the final puzzle piece. Yeah. He's everything that you could want on it. No, guys. I want to talk about Stefan Diggs. <laughs> oh, that guy. Why? Has... 
Stefan been in the news or something lately? Well, that's you know, what I, I think. Been I... Told. Pe Penance, you were yeah, saying? Yeah, I I think I saw something about him on the sub just the other day about how you know something about the Broncos need a wide receiver, and he is a wide receiver or something like that, and uh, how it might actually work out. And he can be drafted in the first round, right? Well, unfortunately, no. We do have to trade for him from the Minnesota Vikings, of all teams. Wait a minute. Why would we trade in such a stacked wide receiver class? Well, there's a lot of reasons, Uppercut. There's a lot of reasons, and... <laughs> such shit heels. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, just tell me about fucking stuff. And I'm going to get into those reasons for you right here. Okay. So you look at the Broncos' current roster right now, and I'm just going to name some of the wide receivers that they have under contract. Cortland Sutton. Great. Fantastic. Deshaun Hamilton. I honestly thought you were just going to full stop after Cortland Sutton. <laughs> I probably well, should Deshaun, have. Deshaun, much like some of our offensive line players, tends to do well in the back four stretch of games. <laughs> That is, that is an apt analysis. So you got Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick, who's set to be an ex, uh, looks like a restricted free agent, so he will likely be back. And then you have a just a, a who's who of guys behind those three: Jawan Winfrey, Deontay Spencer, who I'm God not even sure is Godpeed man, Godpeed. God not even sure he's actually a wide receiver at this point. Fred Brown, Trinity Benson, and Kelvin McKnight. I'm sorry, who is the middle one? Yeah, exactly. Tr Trinity Benson? Uh, Trinity Benson. Uppercut, you don't know not sure. Trinity Jensen? Benson? I only know him because he's a dude named Trinity. Usually you only get God's name that. Typically speaking. Okay. Well, then again, he's so, got peed, so. that. <laughs> So, so why did we specific? Why did we specify Diggs? Why, why are we talking about Diggs? Why were we being shitty earlier? No, this is actually my legitimate question. Why is Stefan Diggs in the news as trade bait? I actually thought this was shot down late in the 2019 season, and now it just resurfaced again. And it seems like everybody is running with this as a given that Stefan Diggs is gonna be traded. So, as far as why it's actual news, um. Because it's the off season and people need need something to talk about, really anything. Because there's and, never an off season for talking Broncos. Well, you know, there we've got the draft. That's that's my hope right now. <laughs> I think there should be at least three more podcasts. We can make them like two hours if you want. I oh can no, sit not here us. Like three new ones. Oh, three new Broncos podcasts. Yeah. Well, I think we can manage that. All three of us start making our own and just have each other on as guests. I do make my own, thank you. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that one's a bit forgettable. We'll make a new one. This episode brought to you by Piss. Oh, so anyway, Stefan Diggs. Um, he, the only reason he's being referenced with trades is because of the issues that came up during the 2019 season. Uh, many will say he's a diva. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, Thanks for hosting. Yeah, absolutely. You're welcome. Someone had to. Aaron. Anyway, <laughs> God. the 2019 season for the Minnesota Vikings is obviously very successful. 
Dalvin Cook had his first almost totally healthy season. Uh, there were some nagging injuries that came up, but I believe he played through most of the games. Um, because of Dalvin Cook's emergence and the way the Vikings offense was being called with uh, the patented Gary Kubiak influence, uh, they ran the ball at a clip much higher than expected in 2019 by any team that has a above average starting quarterback two top 20 receiving threats and a top 10 tight end to catch the ball um, considering they ran the ball more than they passed because of that Stefan Diggs had some complaints about uh, the way it was going as any wide receiver would when they are getting targeted less than six times a game prime that pump were you gonna was it was someone gonna say something? Nah, just prime that pump, man. Prime that pump. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> As any wide receiver would. As any wide receiver. So the offense was not pass heavy, considering the weapons at Kirk Cousins' disposal and Kirk Cousins' own ability to well throw the ball like a quarterback. And because of that, Stefan Diggs did take issue. And was vocal about it at times. Now, as far as how vocal and to what extent and what maybe constitute is, constitutes as too much, well, considering the wide receivers that the Broncos have had in the past and the wide receivers we've seen around the league, I would say Stefan Diggs falls on the much more tame side of things. His worst outbreak was on the sideline during the Saints when he threw his helmet because he wasn't getting targeted. Now, any top 15 wide receiver will be upset about that. You said that he was tame. Could you give some examples of behavior that you would consider like not tame, maybe even diva-ish? Well, well, if you bring up the word diva, there's a few things that do come to mind. You know, you have your classic T.O., dancing on the stars, stirring up trouble on purpose. Then you have guys like Odell Beckham, who will get into fights with Josh Norman, of all players. Or and nets. even kicking nets. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because they offended his family. Or you have guys like Emmanuel Sanders, who will literally punch a second-year player during practice. Their own teammate. Wait, did he punch, like he got in a fight with a CB or a DB or something like that? No, I'm glad you asked, actually, because this is it was favorite stories from the camps leading up to the 2019 season. From my understanding, Cortland Sutton was trying to help Emmanuel Sanders do something better. What? We don't know. But he was just trying to help him out as teammates do in sports. And Emmanuel Sanders took offense to that and got in a physical altercation with actual video evidence of him throwing punches at Cortland Sutton for this. Emmanuel Sanders, like a rookie, right? No. Emmanuel Sanders, the Super Bowl winning wide receiver with the Denver Broncos in 2019, who is, what, 31 years old, fighting Cortland Sutton, a second year player who went to his alma mater, who, when Cortland Sutton was a rookie, Emmanuel Sanders even said to a reporter, I can't wait to teach this guy everything I know and help him get to Pro Bowls. Fortunately, he did one of those things. Oh, it sounds like he's a stand-up guy. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to you guys right now. 
Okay, so you know we we've taken a snarky and shitty time about this, but can we can we can we get into like what actually a diva is? I know you gave some examples, but like the word diva is now just anybody or a, a, specifically a um, a wide receiver who got upset. That seems a little too broad. That is a pretty yeah. That's applying the term pretty liberally. All of the examples that Penn has brought up, T.O. dancing on the star, Emmanuel Sanders punching a teammate. Those are extreme examples. That's not, I'm not doing, or I'm not allowed to do what will help my team. There's a clear difference there in my mind. Yeah, and, you know, with Stefan Diggs specifically, since we're talking about him, there is, you don't get into the NFL without being competitive and wanting to win. And thinking that you can help your team win on any given down. And so when you come out and are upset that you aren't being allowed to contribute, like you said, Aaron, uh, being allowed to is the big thing. He's a wide receiver. He is directly under the play calling and the decisions of the quarterback. He can't just get the ball from the center and make a play. And asking to be a part of that and asking to help contribute to those wins that's not a diva mentality, especially when there's an audio clip of Stefan Diggs going up to Kirk Cousins saying, you play your game, don't force anything to me. That's the exact opposite of a diva. That's someone saying, I'm here when you're ready to get me the ball because you know I'm going to make a play. As far as wide receivers go, they're the primary focus of it because you don't become a great wide receiver without thinking that you're one of the best players in the game. You just can't. You can't step on that field look at the cornerback across from you and think, I'm not good enough to beat this guy because then you're really not going to beat that guy. And they all know that. I'm sure Cortland Sutton has a diva mindset at times when he steps on that field because he knows it doesn't matter who's guarding him. He can get the ball. Yeah, and Stefan Diggs backs that up too, by the way. It's not just the, the mindset. It's not just, oh, I think I'm really good, which I know is not what you're saying penance but uh he actually had his uh statistically best year of his career last year just a, a little footnote there at 26 right yeah it does make you what you were saying about diva stuff it does make you super appreciate demarius thomas for sure for sure demarius thomas dt he was he was one of a kind in terms of wide receivers and i'm sure he had his with uh with peyton manning but i also think playing with peyton manning probably helped him a ton in terms of mindset and knowing that if he deserved to get the ball, he was going to get it. There's one big mystery around DT that I've yet to solve. And that is why does Ronan Farrow follow him on Twitter? That one's over my head. Yeah. (laughs) He doesn't follow him back. I can't find any other connection. I've been mulling about this uh, for the entire season. It's driving me insane. Um, Why does Ronan Farrow follow Demarius Thomas? Who knows? I don't. I uh, just learned who Ronan Farrow was after quick Google search there same (laughs) know your audience uppercut (laughs) i'm bringing class to this pod do we want digs i think it depends on what you have to give up to get him first and foremost let's say you can only get one high quality wide receiver this offseason whether it be via the draft or via this it at the cost of any others that's the price you pay for stefan digs that's fine because i don't think that you make this blockbuster trade and then still take Henry Ruggs in the first, Brandon Ayuk in the second, or even KJ Hamler in the third. That's Jalen Rager, you mean? Sure. Mix and match. 
so I I was I did the amazing and watched the minimum amount of film and did the minimum amount of research I needed to feel good about myself before coming this on uh, both Shermer's offense and Stefan Diggs. And I think that's the perfect match within reach. Ideally, I think Jerry Judy, but I think that would probably be everybody's saying, who would you like? Jerry Judy. Yeah, of course you would. But Stefan Diggs does something or the way he he plays is very good for a Shermer offense because Shermer doesn't seem to do the Shanahan thing or the Andy Reid thing where he schemes his wide receivers open as much. He expects them to get separation on their own. Stefan Diggs being such a high-end route runner is very good at that. Yeah, that's honestly the perfect analysis of what we're looking at in terms of fit. If the Broncos were to bring in Diggs, you you honestly, you couldn't ask for a better pairing in Cortland Sutton and Stefan Diggs. Well, now, wait a minute, because I thought that I thought that the pairing that had to happen was Cortland Sutton and a guy who's going to run a 4-2 at the Combine. Which guy who's running a 4-2? Yeah, I mean, Henry, Henry Ruggs is, the, is the, 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 the go-to guy, the one everybody points at. There are other fast guys in this draft that other people in our subreddit are really high on. It's not just Henry Ruggs. Brandon Ayuk, I also mentioned. Uh, KJ Hamler is a quicker dude. I mean, he's not Ruggs fast. And then uh, I've seen names pop up uh, in our Closer Look suggestion thread. People uh, want to look at other free agents who are fast, like Robbie Anderson or guys like him. So in terms of the draft, at least, uh, we can probably safely scratch uh, Jerry Judy out, right, of contention for us. I've seen I've seen some not amateur mocks where Judy does in fact fall to 15 now it it would take some reaches above but as we saw with Cleveland Farrell last year it's not impossible I'm just saying Jerry Judy's on the table potentially you can't write it off but with that being said you also can't go into the draft without a wide receiver too you cannot go into the draft with Cortland Sutton Deshaun Hamilton and Tim Patrick oh, you think that strongly, like that that can't be the priority of the draft. You have to get a two in free agency. I just think with how unpredictable the draft is, it's not something that you can rely on and say, yeah, we're fine. We'll find our wide receiver two in the draft. You need to find at least some kind of backup in free agency or via a trade like Stefan Diggs so that when you go into the draft, you are secure knowing that you have a wide receiver two on roster because there's the potential of Judy, C.D. Lamb, and Henry Ruggs all going before the Broncos pick. And then the next best player is LaVisca Chenault, who, while he's an outstanding playmaker, is not ready to be a wide receiver two on day one and would be a reach at pick 15. I, I think that you're, you're probably safe there, too, because... Uh you know, say what you will about how well his signings have turned out. But John Elway definitely tries, I think, to enter the draft without glaring holes. What's the most you would give up for Diggs? I would not give up number 15. And I know a lot of people have said that he will go for a first round pick. And that is the bottom line. With the draft capital the Broncos have and how high they're picking, I realistically could picture the second rounder plus one of the thirds and then maybe some filler somewhere or a late round pick swap, something like that. It'd, it'd be focused on a second and a third, which would be less than what the first is worth, but it equates in value if you look at the Odell Beckham trade that was a first and a third, because as great as Stefan Diggs is, he's not the talent that Odell Beckham is. 
would you be willing to swap first and give some um, later round picks as well? Yes. I think I would do that. I would do that second and third trade for sure. Swap firsts. I'm not even sure where the Vikings pick in the first, but that's an interesting one. So we all like Diggs. I, I dare say I love him. <laughs> what a riveting conversation we had. So I, I just want to lay out some key points to why, why Stefan Diggs works. Now, obviously, the trade is a long shot. We don't know if he's coming here. It's not set up yet. If it does happen, though, here's why you can be excited. One, he's the perfect complement to Sutton. Two, he's only 26 years old. He fits the timeline. He's under contract for the next four years. And those cap hits, it would be $11.5 million this coming year and $12 million the three years after. So that's, in terms of wide receiver contracts, it's incredibly affordable to have him on top of how long we can keep him around, how long he works with the team. That along with when you go into free agency and you guarantee money to players, that guaranteed money actually has to be readily available and put into escrow and be in cash form, essentially. And when you bring in a high-level player like Diggs through a trade, you don't have to worry about that guaranteed money. And so instead of signing a free agent and having to set that money aside, you can save that cash for a bigger name free agent or guarantee more money to draw someone else in. Coming in here with that accountant knowledge. Blessing and a curse. <laughs> so I'm curious, you said he was the perfect complement for Portland Sutton. Um, I want to know why you think that. Well, it, it really starts with who Sutton is as a player. And if I had to ask you, Aaron, to describe Cortland Sutton, who he is as a wide receiver, what are the, some of the things that come to mind? Um, I would go with his size is the first thing that I think of. He's tall. Paxton's tall. That's my Vance Joseph voice. No, uh, he's, he's a big dude. Uh, he's fast um, for his size, I think. Uh, I have He ran a 4.46 at the combine. That's not too bad. Uh, he has a huge catch radius, though. That's what impresses me the most about him. He can catch all around him, and he'll catch anything that's on him. You know what I mean? Remember when Brandon Allen threw that touchdown to him, and it looked like his body jerked to a stop on the turf? That was an amazing catch, and I still kind of like don't like thinking about it. That's exactly what I mean, though. How many dudes in the NFL today can make that catch? So with knowing what we know about Cortland Sutton, he's a big guy. He can catch everything that's thrown within probably 20 feet of him, I'd venture to say at this point, because I haven't seen him miss. You you have to look at that when you're looking at what Diggs brings to the table. And you outlined it earlier, Uppercut, when you talked about looking at film. Diggs brings a couple of things that you can't get out of a rookie right now. There, Jerry Judy uh, aside, there is no rookie that can come in and run routes like Stefan Diggs. And Jerry Judy's not even on that level. He's one of the best route runners to come out of the draft price since Amari Cooper. And even he's not on the level Diggs is. So you bring in the route running, you bring in the speed threat that Diggs is. Now, he is he 4-2? No. But you don't need 4-2 in the NFL today. Tyreek Hill looks great out there doing it, but he's not just beating defenders. I'll move on. Stefan Diggs, creates after the catch he gets a lot of rack yardage which pat Shermer's offense thrives on like you said he doesn't scheme guys he says go out there and get open and do something with it and that's all stefan Diggs has done has done his entire career and so when you pair that with Cortland sutton 
suddenly you're getting one-on-one matchups for Cortland Sutton and you can just throw him the ball wherever he'll come down with it. And if, if Diggs is open, you get him the ball instead. It's, it's the one-two punch that we had with Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. That sounds good, but how do we know he's not just going to play on the team again? Well, we know for a fact that Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio both want an aggressive offense. On top of that, last year, Pat Shermer, calling offensive plays for the Giants, had a rookie quarterback, a generational talent at running back, and their best wide receiver was a rookie, I believe sixth rounder in Darius Slayton. And Pat Shermer still called a two-to-one split pass-to-run ratio. So he essentially passed twice as many times as he ran the ball with that group of players. Now, when you move Pat Shermer to the Broncos and you think about the wide receiver sets and the type of plays he's going to be calling when he has Drew Locke throwing to Cortland Sutton, Stefan Diggs, and Noah Fant, he's not going to shy away from that ratio. And Drew Locke has proven over those last five games that he can spread the ball around. We saw Deshaun Hamilton have the best five games of his career with Drew Locke. We saw Troy Fumagalli, not Troy Fumagalli, Jeff Hireman have a resurgence with him and probably the best five games of his career. You know, we had Fred Brown out there catching patch- passes. I think Tim Patrick was out there. You know, it went from Cortland Sutton making plays the first 11 weeks of the season and being the entire offense to, hey, why does it look like we have about five guys that can suddenly catch the ball that couldn't with Brandon Allen and Joe Flacco? Yeah, didn't Locke hit like eight guys in that Houston game? He did. Okay, I'm sold. I'm sold. Do it. Do it. Trade out anything you got to for, for Diggs. Okay, not anything. Just the trade you outlined earlier. What do you see as options for wide receiver in the draft? Like, let's say Diggs isn't an option or and a, a free agent wide receiver, for whatever reason, can't be brought in. Uh, what do you like wide receiver-wise in the draft? Oh, I like Henry Ruggs like everyone else. <laughs> Um, in the draft, <laughs> you're sullying your great subreddit reputation right now. Oh, oh no! I, I, I'm personally disappointed in you. <laughs> I like Henry Ruggs. I do. Um, I don't know if I like him at 15, and I don't know if I like him as a day one wide receiver too. Wide receivers are notorious for coming out of the draft and not being able to contribute at a starting level immediately much like tight ends maybe to a lesser extent and with that being said the only two guys that you can trust in this draft are jerry judy and cd lamb the chances of either of them falling to the broncos are slim they're possible but like i said you can't rely on that let me hit you with this one would, would you rather trade for stefan diggs or would you rather trade up to take whichever of judy or cd lamb you prefer oh see that's a, that's a hard one um i I personally lean towards the known product. We know that Stefan Diggs can succeed in the NFL, and we know that he can excel with Pat Shermer. Mm-hmm. We, as great as Judy and Lamb look, we don't know if they'll be able to succeed in the NFL. Now, obviously, it, it seems like they will, given everything that we know from them and given everything they've shown in college. But, I mean, you even look at the 2021 draft class, And there's another crop of wide receivers that might be better than Judy and Lamb. And I won't get too much into that, but 
with that in mind, you can't look at this year as we have to get a wide receiver no matter what. Otherwise, we're up a creek without a paddle. Um, there's great players in the later rounds. You know, you've got LaVisca Chenault, who might be available to the Broncos in the second. He is an excellent playmaker with the ball. He can play running back if you need him to. The only concerns really are that he isn't refined as a wide receiver because of the versatility. And he has a lot of injury concerns. We'll, we'll look right in the medical tent. I don't know. I don't want to say that necessarily, but. <laughs> He'll make a good addition to the. Oh, I messed it up. Yeah, 14, forgive me. 14, no. Oh, but, you know, after that, you guys have mentioned Jalen Rager. He's a burner. His, I believe his dad played for the Broncos, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, you know, he's a burner. He's great. He's. Honestly, if I had to choose between him and Ruggs, at, from a pure value standpoint, where you'd be able to get Rager over Ruggs, I would take Rager just because it wouldn't cost as much. Um, KJ Hamler, he's he's electric when he gets the ball. He's not a burner, but he's great. Justin Jefferson out of LSU is he's not fast. He he's fast, but he's not a burner. Um, he's reliable. He was one of Joe Burrow's favorite targets for a reason. You got Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. Denzel Mims out of Baylor. He was a track star in high school. And he's, I believe, about 6'2", 6'3". You know, you get a big, fast guy like that who can catch the ball. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., because we never get too many MPJs in Denver. K.J. Hill out of Ohio State is a great slot option. Antonio Gandy-Golden out of Liberty. He is a big-time threat. He's 6'4", and uses every inch of it to get the ball. And he has some speed to go with it. He he looks like Cortland Sutton out there. Um, and then you've got late round guys. Aaron Fowler out of Washington is he's in the KJ Hill prototype. He's not a complete burner, but he's good in the slot. He's fast and shifty and runs good routes. You know, there's this draft is great on so many levels for wide receiver because you do have your almost guaranteed starters in Judy and Lamb. You have your middle tier guys that can complement someone you already have in place or be a third option. And then you have your late round guys that look like, and I dare say flyer, but they're not even flyers. They look like they should be able to contribute at some level. I'd like you to put away your spreadsheet and do that again. I would like you to leave me alone. Well, all, all I got from that was uh, I really hope that you sign up for the Closer Look draft series this year. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually, it's a challenge to all those who sign up for anybody that Penance doesn't take. You have to beat that. Can you do it? No, you can't do it. Well, I'm just ready for all the people to come in here and say he was just reading a list off of some scouting website. Hey, which one was it, by the way? Because I could use a link to that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, th those are the guys that I personally have seen, and I, I, I picked out myself. Um, Memphis has a wide receiver, Antonio Gibson. He's not a wide receiver. He's a running back, and I'm just going to drop this right now. If the Broncos could get him as their third down back, we would all be happy. Oh, no, Royce. Well, Royce Royce is a nice compliment to Phil. Um, no, thunder and lightning, thunder and lightning. Thunder and lightning with— Thunder and lightning uh, only. With the sprinkle of, uh, I don't know, rain. I don't want to say rain. That's, I don't know. But I'll also drop uh, D2— center of the year jake lacina out of augustana it's not going to happen but i'm just throwing it out what's cool with there that? are you trying to are you trying to pivot this into a running back podcast so you know i really felt like for years now that the the sub really needs a draft podcast and 
you guys got me on here, so I'm just going to take it over from here. Thanks, guys. Uh, I'll see you later. And welcome to the show, everyone. How do you mute? <laughs> Pretty soon he's going to be reading yeah, comments. You can, you can cut all of that. <laughs> so, would you say... I will not. <clears throat> Every flub. So, just the list you gave us, plus the couple of options in free agency or via trade, we're kind of sitting on this kind of smorgasbord of potential wide receiver talent, right? And we kind of have to, hopefully, the, the organization will sift through it They'll do their due diligence. They'll um, do homework on everybody. Maybe maybe do some interviews in person. Thing. I'm saying that this is not unlike The Bachelor. Is that your favorite show? It's the only show. And if you don't like it, you're lying. <laughs> okay, Zach, calm down. <laughs> I mean, uppercut, sorry. Just had you confused for someone else for a second. All right, I'm going to run through some rapid-fire yes or no for free agent wide receivers. I just want to get just a yes or a no. A.J. Green. No. Randall Cobb. No. Amari Cooper. No. Okay. Not possible. I expected no on all of those guys. Uh, you had a rapid-fire of three? <laughs> nope, that was my premium. Uh, here's the bargain <laughs> bin, guys. Avon Austin. No. That's not a joke. Seriously, I want an answer from you. <laughs> oh, God, no. Paul Richardson. No. Travis Benjamin. No. Too many injuries. No. Devin Funches. Nope. Nelson Aguilar. No. Okay, so who, if you don't want to enter a draft <laughs> with wide receiver as being a primary need, and we don't manage to trade for Stephon Diggs, what the hell are we going to do? You got to find a rose to give to somebody. <laughs> Jesus. So, Robbie Anderson comes up a lot. I don't mind him. Um, there is a problem with be... Robbie. Um, is that he likes to sleep in my closet and scare me. I'm sorry. Can you expound on that, please? I cannot. All right, well, tell him I said hi. I will not. No. <laughs> I, I'm just going to say, as a quick aside, Robbie Anderson looks like one of the Waynes brothers in their early 2000s movies when his hair's all pulled out like that. It's just, it's something. Getting into Oh, that is something. How does it fit in the helmet? You know, I've always wondered that about Phil's hair, too. I mean, well, it's cushy. Yeah. Okay. How did Trevor uh, fit all of his tussleable locks under his helmet? I'm just wondering how Drew manages to fit his. Okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> we laughed at that fucking joke. This is a family show. <laughs> Um, is, we're actually we're pivoting to the do the drew podcast uh welcome everyone <laughs> i'm your founder penance i'm still oh. a mod yeah I, somehow somehow um free agent wide receivers though uh one guy that i came across uh current 
unrestricted free agent coming out of Tennessee or from the Tennessee Titans, I guess. I shouldn't say out of Tennessee since we're talking about the draft. That gets a little out there. Um, Tajay Sharp. He hasn't had a lot of opportunities there. Obviously, he's had Marcus Mariota throwing him the ball for a good number of years. And this past year, he has Corey Davis and uh, Brown ahead of him. And so there just isn't a lot lot of opportunities for him to get the ball but he's been healthy his entire career he has produced when he's gotten the opportunity he consistently puts up reliable numbers he's got good size adequate speed decent route runner you know he he's obviously not a top tier free agent or people would be talking about him but he does meet the kind of threshold you're looking for if you're going to add a wide receiver just as a safety net in case your guy doesn't fall in the draft he would be a good option Interesting. Okay, what do you think of um, Taylor Gabriel? I didn't touch on him earlier. He was released by the Bears yesterday or today, I think. Yeah. Um, from what I understand, Taylor Gabriel, he, he basically followed Kyle Shanahan around. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yep, there it is. Yep, that clicked. <laughs> um. Yeah, he started out his career in Cleveland when uh, aforementioned coach was there, followed him to Atlanta, and, you know, he put up good numbers as a third option behind Julio Jones and Mohamed Sanu at the time, was with them during their 2016 run. Uh, yeah, 20, 2016. Um, and then he signed a big contract with Chicago, but to my knowledge, he had some injury issues this last year. He's also going to be 29 um, and has never really been an outstanding player. Um, it, it could probably get worse than him. He's fast. He fits the role of a number two, number three option, but I would probably look elsewhere first. Do you think there's a future for Deshaun? Maybe. <laughs> ask ask me at the end of 2020. That's that's not how this works. <laughs> <laughs> ask me once we've completely seen going to do that. Um, it's just, it's difficult with Deshaun because he does have a limited athletic profile. He's not overly fast. He's not big by any means. Um, and his one calling card coming into the league was route running and hands. What we saw this past season, even in 20 in 2018 as well, a little bit, those two things did not translate for him to the next level. The route running, obviously, without the high-end athleticism, he's having a harder time getting open against NFL-quality defensive backs on a regular basis. And I, as, as far as catching the ball, I don't know if it's a mental thing. I can't speak on that because I know some players do have issues. It Concentration catches is what they call it. You know, he, he, can't, he can't focus on catching the ball, whether it be something with his mechanics or be just mentally. Uh, Tony Gonzalez had that issue early in his career, and it is something that can be corrected, but there's still a limited ceiling for Hamilton, and that ceiling is a solid third option when you need him. Okay, this guy feels like the holy crap, we couldn't find anything else answer. Rashad Perryman? Do you touch him with a 10-foot pole or no? Just from what I know from what Bucks fans said, um, I I wouldn't. When both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin went down, Bucks fans were ready to just burn down the season because Brashad Perriman had a reputation for not being able to catch a cold in winter. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, looking at uh, Pro Football Reference, his catch rates so catch rates over the years: fifty percent, twenty eight percent, sixty four percent, fifty two percent. Definitely not somebody I want to put a whole lot of faith in. And um, it's it's the same thing as Nelson Aguilar. You know, do you want someone who only catches half the balls thrown to him? Right. If you're gonna do that, you might as well just stick with Hamilton. If we want to bridge your earlier talking about running backs for some reason, uninvited on this wide receiver podcast. You're welcome. Hey, he he played wide receiver at Memphis, but he's a running back. I don't know what you're talking about. I was going to ask, uh, <laughs> do you think Philip Lindsay is going to improve in pass catching to the point where that's not going to be necessarily something where we need to bring in um, another Theo Riddick? From my understanding, the, obviously the pass catching is an issue. Uh, he hasn't been a reliable receiving threat, which limits him to first and second down. You know, you need to put in someone who can catch the ball when it's thrown to them. And Phil had his moments where he just couldn't do that. Um, but even if he does improve, he still has the limitation of his size. He He's able to be so quick and shifty as a running back because he's smaller and when when you're looking at that as a third down back, you can't have someone who's 5'8 back there because if they have to block a linebacker or chip a D-end or anything, they're going to get mowed over. They're, they don't stand a chance. And that really does limit Phil to if he's in on third downs, he's likely going out on a route. And the defense will be able to key in on that very quickly. Do you know anything about Juwan Winfrey and his production pre-NFL and what could be expected of him if he were just to be healthy? I'm going to say I knew virtually nothing about him when the Broncos traded up to get him when he had a undraftable grade, essentially. I'm sorry. They did what? Oh, they they traded up like, to get a guy who was expected to go undrafted. Because there was just a free spot and they decided to go for it the quickest? I really think that John Elway just wanted to go home. <laughs> wow. No need for a punter or anything back there. Yeah, no, we definitely didn't need one of those. Um, let me just pull up his uh, college stats really quick. So he played a total of 28 games over four years. He started out at Maryland, transferred to Colorado, sat out a year and came in. Um, you know, Juwan Renfrey, he... Uh, he didn't produce and he wasn't healthy from my understanding. And this year that showed again, everything at a training camp said that he has the requisite athleticism and size to be an NFL wide receiver, but he just can't stay healthy. And that is the downfall of many players. You know, when you're going through the scouting process and you're looking at players to draft, if they haven't been able to stay healthy in college, what there, there's nothing that leads teams to believe that they would be healthy in the pros and if you can't rely on the guy to play a full season, then what's the reason of having him on the roster? You didn't want a punter. I want all of the punters. Oh, you're the one who turned me on to Braid Braden Man? Braden Man. I want him wait. Is he in his twenties? Um I believe so. Okay, yeah. Believe. I want him just to kind of so I can you cut out there. I just, I just want to look at him. Oh, I mean, he does have that uh, boyish look, you know. Looks like he's twelve. <laughs> I said boyish. <laughs> this ain't being cut, boys. 
Uh, no, Braden, man, if if the Broncos draft him, it's a good draft, no matter who else they pick. The first ranking when I was going through and watching a little bit of film on uh, the potential wide receivers to bring in, the first ranking I did was cute, was cuteness. Oh. Yeah. Well. It's Visca. <laughs> it's Visca, then it's Judy, then it's CD, then it's Lamb. Okay. Wait, CD is then lamb. it's CD, then it's lamb, then it's rugs. Yep, that, you, that's my CD list. CD lamb's so cute, you ranked him twice. That's what happened. He got ranked fourth and fifth. <laughs> there you have it. The official uppercut of justice wide receiver ranking. That's the official uh, Reddit Broncos subreddit hotness rating. I'm going to give one of them boys a rose. <laughs> All right. Oh, this has been fun. <laughs> has it? Is this where it got I'm, too I'm, awkward? I'm, I'm looking at draft eligible wide receivers to see how cute they are now. I'm sorry. This is what we've become. This is the batch. Aaron, do you have an opinion? No, I can't say that I do. Who's, who's, who's the cutest wide receiver on the on the Broncos? Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even know what any of them look like. Wrong. It's Juwan Winfrey. <laughs> well, that works. Mm-hmm. I am looking at his picture now. He's not that bad looking. Um, no truer words have ever been spoken than when Marquette King said that Cortland Sutton had a baby head. <laughs> Honestly, you guys, I've, I'm just on Google Images now looking up what you're talking about. Cortland Sutton's baby head? Yeah, just whatever you mention, I'm just immediately looking it up like what is he talking about does it okay you want to talk about baby heads austin jackson usc left tackle we're not talking about tackle no i'm just saying baby head you transition trying to preview to next this man this man has the body you're backdoor piloting your own episode <laughs> <laughs> Dude, to next here. week to find out how i'm gonna replace garrett bulls <laughs> now hold on a minute what are we holding on? Whatever's in front of Garrett Bowles. Oh, I didn't even know. <laughs> That's such a bad joke. I would like to make a PSA, though, for the entire subreddit. I've seen the Valentine's card where Garrett Bowles says, I want to hold you or whatever. I've seen it. I've seen it a lot. Please stop posting it. <laughs> I upvote it every time. I know you do. I'm going to start upvoting it every time. Cool. Cool. This worked out well for me. Love a meme. Memes are the best. I, honestly, no, I think no, no. the sub would be we, better with more memes. So if, if all you could really kind of put, you concentrate their efforts on creating memes for the sub, I think that would you, be fantastic. And you honestly, don't mean what you're saying. An, an increase you to the offseason. The lower the quality, like, the better. Well, what, yes, what, absolutely. If, if it's one word over a picture, Please post it. It's even better if you drew the picture in Microsoft Paint. Oh, it, that's penance. Penance. Shut up, Aaron. Penance. What you you don't mean what you say because what you like are my memes, right? I've had some good ones. Well, you're the only one that went with me on the Craven the Hunter memes, and so I do I have a soft spot for one, them. And I worked hard on those, and I put them where they belong. Three comment threads deep. 
not on the front page. And, you know, honestly, that was a travesty because they should have had their own post. Do you remember the Samurai Just like Jack everyone one? Else out there. I'm going to be real honest with you. I have zero memory of this. You told it was me. probably Pen is 25. You told me <laughs> I completed you. <laughs> I mean, I probably did, but I was also smoking a lot of weed at that time. So I, <laughs> I cannot verify anything. <laughs> it's Actually, no, I might have just been drinking a lot then because, because... I, I went on a hiatus from from uh, the, the Green Solution, uh, the number one. <laughs> Can we wrap this? Get your CBD infused golf. <laughs> Good for cheddars. Everyone at the office drinks it. Oh my god. Uh, we could probably wrap soon. I, I am actually legitimately at the end of my notes for about, I don't know, 20 minutes here. Oh, I've still got a little bit more. Let's get into <laughs> I'm only on the first page still. What are you guys talking about? Okay, I really wish we had O Canada. <laughs> Don't shame that boy. Denver Broncos is that's the that's the intro track. That's not what we're doing. I I know, but I I actually I really like that song. You like the the novelty song? I do. You want to sing it? No. Yeah, you do. I. Don't. If I, I'm going to start singing it, you're going to start singing it, and then Aaron's going to start singing it. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I don't believe Go ahead. I don't believe you. Go ahead. <laughs> no. Do you it. You were so close to starting, weren't you? I was. I had my little no. fist clenched. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'll, I'll do it when we get sponsored. Somebody sponsor us and I'll sing you a song. We're real cheap. If somebody sponsors us. I'm sorry. God bless that company. They're going under so soon. <laughs> We're just gonna keep We're gonna keep pushing the green solution. <laughs> this episode brought to you by uh no, fuck Kmart. The green solution. I like that one. <laughs> I'm done. Where did we? Yep. <laughs> Finish. I'm just going to put the audio from the end of uh, There Will Be Blood. <laughs> All right. How do we wrap it up? We didn't decide last time. We didn't decide this. Time. Jesus, at this point, I don't know how to salvage anything. Well, we're, we're, we're breaking it down, right? We're crumbling society. We're crumbling. We're crumbling things. We're crumbling we're things. Justified. Institutions can't justify themselves. I have no idea how to. And the only way I know how to fix it, you know, is a quick flash of light. Let gravity do the rest. All hail the guillotine. What are you talking about? Yeah. You got it, Aaron. We'd like to thank Penance One for being our guest tonight. And Thanks for having me on, on guys. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we get another episode. Oh, I mean, we just make it on our own. It's not like, not like anyone's going to tell me no. We 
We get to keep doing this for as long as we're dumb enough to keep doing it, man. That's what working free gets you. Free dumb. Yeah. Fuck the man. Quick flash of light. Let gravity do the rest. <laughs>